It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. All right. The National Hockey League has just made this announcement as a result of two Vancouver Canucks players including one player who was added to the COVID protocol list after it was released at 5 Eastern today, as well as a member of their coaching staff entering the NHL's COVID protocols, the team's game tonight against the Calgary Flames will be postponed. The league will provide a further update tomorrow. Vancouver and Calgary were supposed to play later on tonight. That game has been postponed. So, that's the latest. Uh, Thomas Drance, who covers the Canucks for The Athletic, he's been an excellent guest on this show several times, said that uh, Adam Gaudet left practice on Tuesday based on a positive test result from Monday. The club did skate this morning based on otherwise negative tests from Tuesday. And he says, which begs the question, is tonight's game postponed because of testing results from this morning? So no Flames and Canucks game tonight. The potential impact for the Oilers. Now, we saw the Canadians lose four games in a week. The Canucks are scheduled to be here on Saturday. So we could get that game postponed. So you may say, and I just checked this, you may say, well, Reed, the Oilers play the Flames Friday. Why don't they just play them Saturday as well? At least you get another game in. Well, here's the problem. Calgary plays Toronto Sunday and Monday. And then next Thursday and Saturday has a couple more games against the Canucks. So, uh, again, when one game falls by the wayside, other games are affected. But that's what I can tell you for sure right now. Calgary at Vancouver, that was supposed to start at 8.30 Mountain Time, is postponed. We have two Canucks players and a coach in the COVID protocol and uh, just now we, we wait and see. And, and this could have uh, an impact on the order schedule as well. Currently late in the second period. Oh, Toronto just scored again. So they're now up 3-0 on the Jets. And also late in the second period. Buffalo looks like they're going to have another three-goal lead going to the third. They're up 4-1 on Philadelphia as they try to end that 18-game winless streak. They did have a three-goal lead going into the third against the Flyers a couple of days ago. And still wound up losing in Overtime. Okay, so uh, and the Oilers will practice tomorrow, and their game against the Flames on Friday is a 5.30 face-off show here on 6.30, Chad, and uh, the puck will drop at 7. Time to go to the CertainTeed hotline. CertainTeed professional-grade building materials. I'm pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports, one of the all-time greats from the world of curling. It is Mark Kennedy. Hey, Mark, thanks for checking in, man. How are you doing? Hey, Reed, I'm good. Thanks for having me. What a... What a mess the NHL is right now, eh? Well, it's hitting the North Division, and I, I guess it was just a matter of, of time. But, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I'm speculating, but we saw Montreal have four games postponed. So am I confident? <laughs> can, can I feel assured that Vancouver at Edmonton is going to happen Saturday night? Well, obviously I can't. I mean, how could I? No, no, let's hope it doesn't uh, make a bigger mess. You are 
in the curling bubble. Uh, I'm, I'm in a bubble. Yeah. You're, 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 tell us about bubble life because you. This is going to be your what third event in the bubble when worlds start on Friday. Yeah. Yep. Third event. Uh, I did get a small break after the mixed doubles. I got to go home for a few days, which was nice. Um, but yeah, back in the bubble for a third event, and then I'm here for two more after this with the uh, Grand Slam events going on. So, hey, you know what, Reed? It's a it's a it's a pretty great place to be. Um, there's worse places to be put it that way and we all get the chance to curl and so far everyone's been safe and healthy and I don't think uh, they could have asked for more than what they've got so when you get to leave the bubble and, and come back do you have to be like tested to get back in or how do they work that yeah yeah you do so you have to submit a negative test within 72 hours of coming to the bubble um, so you know you can schedule a test at a I had a place in Edmonton. I went for a couple of those. And then as soon as you get in the bubble, you test again. Uh, you have three tests here in the bubble in a period of, uh, I believe it's five days before you're you're cleared to get out on the ice and compete. Um, and so far, all the protocols have been working. I think they've been nothing but negative tests since they, since they got this going in uh, mid-February. So, so far, so good. All right. Well, let, let's uh, let's go through the last couple of weeks here. You know, the Briar was a, a great story, obviously for the Botcher Rink. You were curling with Brad Jacobs in the in the Briar, and I know you got to the to the playoff round, and then I mean, lost. Like, all, you basically can't lose a game. <laughs> I mean, you might be able to if you if you went in un, un, undefeated. Uh, yeah. I mean, how did you feel you guys uh, you guys played in that high pressure situation? Uh, you know, it was a it was a long week. You know, it, it was a bit disappointing for us. We had some pretty high aspirations of of uh, getting into the playoffs, but we also knew how tough a week it was going to be. And you know, it we were seven and five, and it, it came down to maybe three or four shots. You know, and if they go the other way for us, we're we're nine and three or ten and two. So, um, you know, small. We had a lots of really good things. A couple things we'd like to improve on, but um, you know, all the credit to Brendan and his team for being able to do what they did and, and win so many close games. And uh, yeah, that was not an easy briar to win. So, you know, credit to them for being able to do that. Well, and there was, I mean, Botch made some incredible shots, but, but every curler in that bond spiel <laughs> did, did it you know, did that's what it's coming down to is it's not only, you know, it's big shots, but it's big shots at the right time. Um, you know, and you need a few breaks here and there, but, but yeah, I mean, Brennan was was the hottest skip there for the last three days, and then that made a big difference. But um, you know, just just thinking of curling and how much it's changed in the last even 15 years since I got involved in it, it's just come so far, and the the level and quality of play is, is really unbelievable. Even if you're not winning, it's still fun to watch and see what some of these athletes are capable of doing. So it's uh, pretty incredible. Tell me a little bit about, and I mean, you've been on some of the greatest teams of uh, all time during the course of your career. So you, you know, you're now with Brad Jacobs, and they've been an outstanding team for about the last uh, decade, and have won championships and all that, uh, all that fun stuff. Uh, a, a team that had been together for quite a long time, and and you stepped in. How would how would you describe that transition now that you've kind of been through a cycle there? Yeah, it's been good. I mean, we had some really good success early. We we won the Canada Cup in the first event we played together. Um, we won three Grand Slam events last year. Uh, had a good briar. I think we won six events last year. So we're still, 
you know, we're we're still kind of young as a team. We're only going into, I guess this would be our second full year, and we pretty much lost almost the whole year because of COVID. So in a way, we still kind of feel like a new team that's, you know, trying to trying to grow as quickly as possible to get ready for those Olympic trials in December. Um, you know, we've still got a little ways to go, but we're definitely in that mix of top four or five teams that could win those trials if we get hot at the right time. So, you know, I've really enjoyed it. I've, you know, I took that year off and have really found a, a passion and love for the game and just getting out there and competing and, and feeling healthy and enjoying my teammates. And, um, and you know, that's that's kind of one of the reasons I came back to the bubble here was to, to be a part of this team and, and try to help them win a world championship. Because you guys, uh, I believe there are five or six teams already in the trials, and you guys are one of them, right? I'm just still yeah, checking. Yeah, correct. We okay. got a direct berth in. They have a, a few events in the fall that they're going to determine the final four teams, um, but we are confirmed to be in there in December to try to get to the Olympics in Beijing if they happen. The mixed doubles, it's 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 funny because, uh, well, I mean, you know Dave Campbell, the producer of this show, who, yeah. uh, you know, like I, I like curling a lot, but I – my knowledge pales to his and you know, you know like the mixed doubles yeah. <laughs> yeah well but like dave's dave's like hardcore like i yeah. <laughs> I, I watch the big events i like following like you and some of the edmonton area guys uh but I, like i don't pretend to watch every single grand slam end and stuff like that right uh and when the, when the when the mixed doubles started dave was kind of like i don't know i don't know he's like yeah. the traditionalist and now he's like Ah, it's actually pretty fun like two on two five rocks per in a lot of action uh you know how are you feeling now you've you've been playing it for a while yeah you know what Reed? i love it i think it's great i i think it needs a little bit more exposure uh, i think your typical canadian curling fan you know you, you probably have half of them that like it and the other half aren't so sure um but but you know hopefully it gets more exposure and, and a little more love it's, it's a wonderful game it's it's a little faster paced uh it moves quicker um you know, there's only two players on a team, so it, it it really is a different dynamic out there. But as a curler, it's been wonderful. I I've love the strategy of it, and um, you know, you're 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 more exposed out there because you don't really have your team to hide behind. So um, it just and you know what, you got to be really athletic too. You, you you you're sweeping way more than you usually would. You're you're just a little bit more on your own out there. So there's a lot of really good attributes to that game and. And there's also, um, you know, there's an opportunity for curling clubs across the country that most of them are struggling right now when it comes to membership and stuff. You know, mixed doubles provide another opportunity for them to, to get more people in there and younger people in there to, to try a new discipline of the sport. There's, there's nothing about it that I don't, uh, that I don't like. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. And we have that. I mean, I talk about that with golf all the time, right? Like there's a 12-hole course out by Seba yeah. Beach now. Like is that better to just get people? Okay, you play 12 holes. Like if you're playing crappy, it doesn't take as long. If you're playing well, you still feel like, okay, like I played well for 12 holes. Like that's an extended period of time, but it's not taking up your whole day like playing 18 can. That's a, that's a really good point about maybe bringing more people into curling. Mark Kennedy joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Okay, so... Tell me about the process of being added to Botcher's team for Worlds as a, a, an alternate. Were there some, you know, restrictions or or rules that had to be satisfied for them to add you? Well, um, there was a few things they had to do um, to make that happen. Their their normal fifth man, Pat Jansen, who's been with them for a few years, um, he kind of had to, I guess, in a way 
step aside and and become more of a, a team leader uh, for Curl Canada in order for me to be the alternate. Um, and yeah, you know, just to give you a little bit of insight, usually you have a five man team and a coach. And when you go to represent Canada, they usually provide you with two Curl Canada team leaders. Uh, so in this case, they had to move some things around. And one of those team leaders was actually another Edmontonian. It was Scott Pfeiffer. Um, and Scott gave up his position here in order for me to come and be an alternate. Um, and then Pat moved into a team leader role. So, so at the end of the day, there's eight of us here. Uh, and really, you know, I was asked to come um, just in case Darren's back acted up. He had some troubles. He had to pull out of the mixed doubles due to an injury. Um, so it was more of a precautionary, uh, you know, I'm an insurance policy if, if Darren was to get hurt. Um, and, and that's something the team understood and, and has been great with. But, you know, over and above that, it, you know, the expectation is that Darren's going to be completely healthy and Darren's going to play great all week. So so I'm just here to help and support the team any way I can and, and use some of the experience I have from Olympics and World Championships to hopefully uh, give them a bit of an edge and, and help them win that title um, next week. Okay, so there's no, no guarantees then you're going to play? Oh, no, 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 absolutely not. Only, only if I'm absolutely needed. Um, but again, like I said, uh, you know, Darren's been throwing rocks for the last couple of days. He, he feels great. And, uh, you know, if, if, if I had my choice, I would just be sitting and watching and, and helping him as much as I can. This is a great team. I just want them to go out there and be healthy and do what they do. And, you know, if I can provide any help along the way, then that's, that's what I'm here for. I know there's a lot of mutual respect in the curling world. It's it's like it's not a contact sport, so there shouldn't be any fighting or anything like that when you play against other teams. But, right. but I mean, you know, Botch and those guys have been rivals too. Is it is it weird joining them at all? Yeah, you, you know, it's a good question. We we butt heads all the time. Um, but this is this is a team that I've kind of got to watch in the Edmonton area for a long time. I have a ton of respect for them. You know, I've I've. I've known Carrick since he was a teenager playing with his dad. So seeing Carrick have success has been really great to watch. Um, I've known Darren. We've played against each other since we were 15 years old in juniors. We've always had a really good mutual respect. And, and seeing what Brendan's been able to do in the last five or six years in men's is, is really astonishing. So, um, yeah, it would be one thing to say that we're rivals and then I don't want them to do well, but that's not the truth at all. I, I've... Uh, you know, I was happy for them to win the Briar, and um, you know, I'm here to support them with with no ego, no rivalry. You know, nothing would make me happier than seeing these six guys win a world championship. And and honestly, Reed, I'm I'm kind of at that point in my career where, you know, I've I've won enough. You know, I, I've I've been here, done that, and if I can support and help the next generation of of curlers and that's what i want to do so um i i just want to help these guys as much as i can and, and want them to win and then yeah you know after the world is done the grand slams we get to play against them i think at the players championship and you know i'll be doing everything i can to try to beat them but um that doesn't reduce the the respect i have for them and and um you know and not only that but when a team wins canada uh, i think it's important that all of canada gets behind them because if a Canadian curling team is having success, that's good for all Canadian curling teams across the country, right? Their success is all of our success. And I think that's a, a culture that we can continue to build and create here in Canada when our teams do go off to represent the Maple Leaf, that we support them with everything we have, whether that's you know cheering at home on the couch for them or if we're here at the event trying to, to lift them up to be better. That's, 
I think that's an important part of, of Canadian curling going forward. Mark, before I let you go, and thanks for doing this, I always love having you on the show. Canada's yeah, no always a favorite. Uh, Canada's always a favorite at Worlds. Who else uh, should fans uh, watch for? Who's dangerous? Well, you know, Reed, you and I have talked about this, but that international curling world has gotten so much better. So there's a lot of really good teams here. Uh, Bruce Mowat from Scotland is is going to be in the mix, and that's who the boys play first. Uh, Nicholas Adeen, obviously, I think he's won, uh, I don't know how many world championships now, but they're going to be tough. Um, the Swiss team, Peter de Cruz, they uh, beat us for that Olympic bronze a few years ago, so they'll be in the mix. And then you got to watch for some of the younger teams. The Japanese team is very good. I think they finished fourth a couple of years ago. Um, you know, there's a, there's a whole list of them, but those are probably the top four competitors, I think. Um, and, of course, John Schuster, your Olympic gold medalist, he's here as well. So, yeah, it's a tough road, but um, lots of good teams, and, and everyone in Canada will get to watch a lot of great curling this week. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Mark, thanks for checking in from uh, the curling bubble. All the best to, to Botcher and uh, and you guys and whatever your role turns out to, to, to be as the week goes along. Success to you as well. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sports. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Reed. Take care, bud. Have a good one. That is Mark Kennedy, who curled in the briar with uh, Brad Jacobs and now added to the Botcher rink as uh, an alternate for the Worlds in Calgary, which will start on uh, Friday. Going to be fun. Going to be fun. Hope Botcher can get it done. Inside Sports on Chet. So the news from the NHL tonight is that the game between Vancouver and Calgary has been postponed. It was start, supposed to start at 8.30 Mountain Time. So we've had two Canucks players and a member of the coaching staff go into the NHL's COVID protocol. So no game tonight between the Flames and Canucks. The league says there'll be a further update tomorrow. That update could affect the Edmonton Oilers, who are scheduled to host the Canucks on Saturday. I can tell you the order's next game is Friday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Against Calgary, 5.30 face-off show, game at 7 here on 6.30 Chet. Kelly Stanett, former big leaguer, first manager of the Edmonton Riverhawks. He's coming up next. The Buffalo Sabres finally going to do it. Four minutes into the third period, they lead the Philadelphia Flyers 4-1. Sabres looking for their first win in over a month. 18 losses in a row. They got points in three games for losing in overtime or a shootout, but still 18 without a win. Early in the third, Maple Leafs up 3-1 on the Jets. Calgary and Vancouver that was supposed to start at 8.30 has been postponed. Two Canucks players, one coach. Now in the NHL's COVID protocol, more from the league on that and possibly how it could affect future games. 
expected to be announced tomorrow. And maybe that affects the game between the Oilers and the Canucks on Saturday. So that is something to watch out for. Hey, I am pleased to welcome to the show. He's the first ever fielder, a field manager for the Edmonton Riverhawks, the new team in the West Coast League. He played 14 seasons, Major League Baseball, over 730 games. Kelly Stanett is on the line. Kelly, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Hey, Reed, doing great, man. Just down here in uh, sunny Arizona, living a dream, man. Well, welcome to uh, welcome to Edmonton. Welcome to the Riverhawks. Pretty exciting news. I, I was on the Zoom call earlier today, so I uh, heard a little bit of you there. But uh, I, I want to ask you this. I mean, your, uh, your last big league game was in 2007. Tell me about the transition to, to to coaching. Was that always on your mind, even as a player, or how did that come about for you? Well, I think, you know, kind of that label of being a catcher uh, kind of follows you around. You know, most managers in the big leagues are are, are managers. Uh, not, not all of them, but, you know, you're, you're, you're in all the meetings. So as a catcher, you're in the pitching meetings. As a catcher, you're in the hitting meetings, infield, outfield meetings. So you're part of the whole squad where position guys may not cross over the pitching. So, uh, you know, I think it's in my blood. Not necessarily thought I was going to be a coach uh, post-career as far as being a big leaguer. Uh, You know, it's just something I enjoy. Um, You know, I had other plans, but, uh, you know, 2008 hit. and You know, you got to go to your bread and butter, which is, I know baseball and I teach baseball. Uh, That's where I'm at right now. I got a warehouse here in Mesa, Arizona. I've got two cages. I got a 13U team here hitting. I'm just kind of kind of oversee it so yeah i mean it's baseball 24 7 for me you, you, the team you spent the most time with was the uh the arizona diamondbacks in, in terms of games played about half your career there and, and you were there for four seasons buck showalter was the manager um i'm just wondering from your career though was, was it buck or who was it that maybe you look back on and say you know i'd like to be like him or he had the biggest influence on how i want to behave and treat my players as a manager well probably was like my junior college coach in oklahoma lord simmons uh you know, I I went there as pretty much a, a, a no name. Uh, taught me how to how, how to work out, go to class, manage your time, uh, and then there's there's bits and pieces through my career. You know, Buck was a big part of of you know teaching me how to organize. You know, he took a lot of the pressure off the players. I try to do that as well. Uh, Tony Larusa, you know, my last year playing uh, with him with the Cardinals in 07, called me in his office and said, hey. You know, I think you'd make a great coach manager one day. If you ever need anything, here's my number. Uh, I was able to reach out to him a couple of times, you know, uh, and get some, you know, get some advice. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys have, you know, that's kind of where I teach my guys. You're going to have a lot of instructors, a lot of coaches for years. Take, what's, take, take something from each one that's really good that you like and apply it to your style or your way of coaching. I think I've done that as far as, you know, being around 14 years playing, I think it's 10 managers I played for take a little piece of those guys and and kind of mold them into what where I'm at now tell tell fans uh you know and I know obviously we got to get into a into a safe situation and you just heard me talking about the hockey game being postponed obviously but tell fans uh, when they go to Remax field what what uh, kind of ball caliber ball they can expect from the West Coast League well, it's going to be high end. I mean, we've got some uh, some really high end talent coming. Some D one, some uh, some very draftable type uh, junior college kids coming in. 
Uh, even some NEI kids that we think have a possibility of playing pro ball. Uh, you know, that, that's what we're looking for, guys that have the ability to go to, to the next level. Uh, you know, we're, we're, I'm aggressive. You know, I'm a catcher. I know how much, you know, a running game puts pressure on catchers and pitchers. You know, we'll be aggressive uh, uh, in that manner. Uh, you know, and, and we're really concentrating on getting really good arms in here and trying to stockpile some quality guys with velocity, guys that can spin it a little bit, uh, guys that can just go out and compete. And, uh, you know, we've got a good nucleus of guys coming in. If we can get them in and everybody stays healthy while they're here in a, in a stage or wherever they're at playing, that we're going to be very, very, very comp- competitive, especially on the mound. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, it often starts there for sure. Kelly Stanett joining us on Inside Sports. Announced earlier today as the first ever manager of the new Edmonton Riverhawks who are joining the West Coast League. Uh, a, couple, a couple more for you. Um, you know, baseball, you play almost every day. Sometimes games uh, don't go your way. When, when, you, when you played, and maybe you have some wisdom that you try to instill in your players uh, as, as well, how... Tell, tell me about hand, handling that grind and handling an over day at the plate where maybe you feel you didn't uh, swing very well. I, I often ask this about former players and how they um, they became stronger mentally as they went through their careers because a lot of them will tell me, yeah, I, I I had to mature that way. There was there was no choice. So where did that come from for you? I, I think I was taught early in the minor leagues uh, on my instructors, hey. You know, your job is go out and catch a winner. Whatever happens at the plate happens at the plate. Um, you know, but you you got to be able to go out there and control the pitching staff, control the running game, you know, do your job behind the plate. If you get a couple hits, score a couple runs a game, that, that's all gravy. Uh, or poutine, I guess we should say in Canada, right? So, uh, <laughs> nice. you know, I'm trying, I'm trying to learn my lingo. So, you know, uh, it's, uh, it, it's, just, it's just a part of, of yeah, being mentally tough, having a short memory. I mean, Baseball is a game of failure. Everybody's going to fail. How, how quick you can uh, overcome that, how, how quick you can adjust, get to the next at bat, get to the next pitch, get to the next ground bar fly ball, and be successful in that, you, you got, you're, you're going to play for a long time. And, you know, I mean, you can ask my wife. She, she thinks I got no feelings. I say, man, it's just, you know, I'll look at a situation, I evaluate it, it's on to the next situation. So that's kind of how I deal with things. Okay. Yeah. Well said. Uh, I have another standard one. I ask, uh, I ask former players. So I think you're going to like this one though. Sometimes people need a second to think. Uh, and I mean, look, I mentioned, uh, I mentioned your, your big league career. It was a pretty good one. It was a pretty thorough one. Who was the best player you ever played with and who was the best player you ever played against? Well, I, the best player I ever played against is Larry Walker by far. Uh, you know, a Canadian just, he did everything right, and as big and yeah, as big as he was, one of the best base runners. I hate it when he got on base. He just knew how to read read uh, pitchers. He guessed right on what was coming, and being so big, he could fly. I mean, he really ran well. Uh, the best player I played with is King Griffey Jr. in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, just another guy, and and I played with him when he was, you know, kind of on the back end. Uh, he was injured a lot when I was with when we were together in Cincinnati, but uh, man, when he was healthy, uh, definitely fun to watch, and, and it was fun to be on the same team uh, as him through those three years. Okay, 
Uh, well, that's two thirds of a pretty good outfield. <laughs> you, just, yeah, anybody, you could just throw anybody out there for the third spot. I think you'd be fine. Uh, I'll, I'll have fun with you on one more. We, we, uh, I spent a lot of the first hour of the show, Kelly, talking about officiating in hockey. Our star hockey player uh, last night uh, wound up getting fined because he got a little upset and uh, threw an elbow on a guy. And sometimes that happens in hockey or sports. You got to be a little bit aggressive if you if you don't feel the the refs are enforcing the rules. I mean, catcher's an interesting situation because you got the ump right there. You you want to get those uh, the calls you want to get the strikes that that you need. How did you handle having a rapport with an umpire? And how would you handle it if you felt like, okay, come on, the, this this strike zone is not what it should be? Well, I, I, I kind of help. My, my job is to make them second guess themselves. So if there's something close, you know, uh, I don't want to go overboard. I don't want to be the, you know, I don't want to cry wolf every time. But, you know, if there's something that I thought we should, it should go our way that was a strike, especially catching, I'd let him know, hey, hey, Tom, that was, you know, that pitch was there. Can you? What can you do to get – can you position yourself better uh, to get a better look? So I always talk about positioning with umpires. Uh, am I up enough? Do you need to get closer to me? You know, keeping that uh, dialogue open, positive, that we're making each other better behind the plate. Because trust me, they, they don't want to – they don't want to extend the game any longer than they have to. So they want to call as many strikes they want uh, as they can. You know, and even in the field, they want to call outs. So sometimes you kind of got to reverse that and, and – and make them guess or well or second guess themselves that was that really a strike am i in the right position and i, I do that a lot so hopefully none of the umpires are listening but i always question their positioning you know so that they're getting a better look or getting the best look they can uh of a certain pitch or, or play no but i'm just wondering at, at some point there, there must have been an ump that might have said, uh, gee, thanks, Kelly. I think I know what I'm doing. And maybe there was stronger language used than that. <laughs> a, little, a little bit. You know, what's funny is I, I played all those years uh, in the big leagues, and I was only thrown out of one game. That was a spring training game. And it was pretty much that, that was what was said is, you know, I come in a game and, you know, he squeezes my pitcher. I've been in the bullpen all day. Uh, I said, hey, Tim, that's a, that's a strike. He goes, uh, and he said the same thing. He goes, nobody's going to be sitting in the bullpen all day. He's going to come down here and tell me what balls and strikes are. So, you know, me being know what we did all day, you know, uh, not being in the bullpen, you just don't sit in the bullpen. You're blocking pitchers, you're working pitchers, you're talking shop. I just, I lost it, turned around, and in a few choice words, uh, you, you know, told him to go somewhere, and he threw me out, and, you know, as I'm walking off the field, I say, hey, all you know how to do is make bad calls and get up and golf every day. And that's the only time I was ever thrown out of a game. So I try to keep a good relationship with those guys because we're going to see them time after time after time again. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. And, and hey, thanks for coming on the show. I, I appreciate the look back on your career and, of course, looking ahead to uh, to the summer with the Riverhawks. Congratulations on being named the first manager in the club history. And I know we'll be doing, doing this again, Kelly. All the best to you. Sounds great, man. Appreciate it. Go Riverhawks. There we go. That is Kelly Stanett. Awesome interview. Manager of the Edmonton Riverhawks. They're going to be starting up this summer. Really special guest who's uh, helping out. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some local families when we get back. change on a cold Saskatchewan night around 5 p.m. on Highway 35. There will always be 66 land that sunrise and picket signs. Well, this is a very special song, 16 Sticks, and we welcome to Inside Sports the man who wrote it, and you hear there performing it. It is Greg Ryder on the show, and we're going to tell his story and the story behind that song and some things he's doing to uh, help in St. Albert and all honor the fallen Humboldt Broncos as well. Greg, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? Hey, man. How's it going? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for coming on the show tonight. A little bit of your music, 16 Sticks. Um, obviously, the, the, the tie into Humboldt, but I, I want to tell, uh, in your own words, uh, coming up with that song, writing it, and performing it. Yeah, absolutely. So the song um, was actually written um, two and a half years ago. So it was actually written a week after uh, the crash happened. And uh, I was actually living down in Nashville. And uh, I was uh, been there for about a year and a half and just doing the songwriting and performing around the city. And, um, you know, when I actually went on Facebook that, that morning, <clears throat> I actually came across um, a bunch of different, um, you know, people posting about it. And, and I, at first I had no idea what happened. I just saw a bunch of articles and people reposting and I started to really research it. And I said like, okay, what's going on here? Like what happened back in Canada? What do I don't know about yet? And I started doing research and I found out what really happened. And, um, I remember just sitting there and just kind of breaking down and just being like, it, it just, all these memories kind of flood back of when I was a hockey player and, you know, I've been playing hockey ever since age eight and I've been on a traveling road. I played on a traveling rep team from age, you know, eight all the way up to 18. And, uh, I just, I just put myself in the position of like, what would I do in this position? And I started actually writing an actual, like, you know, a news, like a, like a post on Facebook. And I just kept I kept writing it, deleting it, writing it, deleting it. I just couldn't come up with the words that I wanted to say. And um, my aunt actually called me, and she said to me, she said, Greg, did you hear what happened to Humboldt? And I said, man, I, I, I don't even know how to process it. And she said, Greg, you need to write a song. Like, this is what you do when, when, when troubles are facing and, and you don't know what to say. You are best when you put your thoughts into, into words. And I at first didn't want to take on a challenge like that, and I just I didn't know what. And um, I just started kind of humming this little melody, and it was the melody that uh, I started kind of singing for 16 Sticks. And I remember as soon as I had the melody in my head and I started singing the chorus, I'm like, okay, this is already giving me shivers, and I haven't even put any lyrics to it. Um, so, yeah, it was just a process of just pulling it out of me. And um, I got with my one, my one friend in Nashville named Adam, and we wrote the song, and we posted it up on Facebook about a week a week after, and I just wanted to show people. I just wanted to say, hey, guys, I wrote this. I'd love to know what you think of it. 
And, um, yeah, I actually got some people kind of like uh, say, hey, Greg, like, we love the song, but I think it's a little too early for this. And uh, I think you should let the families mourn a bit more. And I totally said, you know what? You're right. And maybe that was come, coming off a little too soon because you don't realize that this is people's lives. And I decided to take the song down. And uh, I took it down and I hid it in my phone for about two and a half years and I literally just posted up on TikTok about eight months ago, and uh, this is where it all began and how it's kind of gained its own legs and traction. And your song has inspired a fundraiser that's currently ongoing until April 6th. Patty's Pub in St. Albert hosting their first annual St. Albert Minor Hockey Fundraise in honor of the fallen Humboldt Broncos and uh, also to raise money for St. Albert Minor Hockey and to the St. Albert Raiders. So you've, you've started a, a wave here. I talked to Ken Shabib about it uh, last week, and they got uh, a lot of great stuff going on paddies-pub.ca to visit an online auction that's p-a-d-d-y-s-pub.ca and you're coming to town is that true absolutely yeah ken reached out to me about a week and a half ago and he said hey like i just heard your song i just played it all over the restaurant and people love it we need to figure out how to get you here and uh i was just like you know what i haven't traveled in a while but like you know i'm i would love to be you know in out west uh, i'd love to be out there performing the song and uh yeah ken hooked it up and he's uh he's getting me out there and i'll be playing a fundraiser on at the patty's Pub and kitchen on april 6th and um yeah we're gonna raise as much money as we can and uh i'm just so excited to be a part of it and you know he told me that you know my song inspired you know the fundraiser but um it's just crazy how just what he's done in, in the past and what he's doing with um you know the pub and um you know st howard's minor hockey association he makes he inspires me to do more and you know really say how can this song be a catalyst for you know so many different hockey communities and so many different things across the country that I just think about it all the time. I'm like, how could this, how could we do it, make an even bigger impact? Greg, well said. Uh, you know, thanks for, for sharing the song with everybody and, and your story. Um, just quickly, I'm a little tight for time, but how can people uh, find out more about you and get your music? Yeah, so uh, I'm on Spotify and Apple Music under Greg Ryder. Um, Ryder is spelled R-I-D-E-R. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Greg Ryder Music. Um, and I also have a website, gregryder.com. And uh, yeah, Ryder spelled R-I-D-E-R. And uh, everyone always goes, oh, R-Y? And I'm like, no, R-I. So I always have to say that. <laughs> Greg, uh, a beautiful song. Thanks for sharing the story. Enjoy your stay here. Thank you so much for helping our community. Yes, thank you, Reed. Thank you for having me on, and hopefully one day I get to meet you. Right on. Yeah, I would like that a lot. Greg Ryder on the show. The song is 16 Sticks. He told you how you can find out more about him, his music, and his career. Paddy'spub.ca, P-A-D-D-Y-S-pub.ca, their fundraiser, first annual St. Albert Minor Hockey fundraiser in honor of the fallen Humboldt Broncos is going on until April 6th. Right after this show, after the 8 o'clock news, Canada and COVID, one year later, a special one-hour presentation. And don't forget the 6.30, Chet, crack the code Easter egg hunt. You can win 500 bucks. It'll start at 7 in the morning. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Brendan Escott helped out today as well. My name's Reed. Take care. 
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.